Hi, I'm Anika She, and She Talks Crime. Hello? Let's just jump straight into our imaginary scenario. I want you to picture in your head, you and your partner are in love. You are happy, you're together, and you want to start your life together, but you're under a crippling amount of debt. So much debt that you don't think you'll ever be able to pay it back, and you don't think you'll be able to live your life until this debt is paid off. And somebody comes to you and says, I can give you an entirely new identity, and you'll be debt-free and get to live a normal life. Would you do it? That's what today's case is about. A couple from Texas used the identities of two dead babies for 35 years before getting caught. Let's get into the case. I'm going to tell you guys right now, if you're looking for a case that makes sense, go ahead and click off this podcast right now. Because the entire time that I was researching this case, I was constantly just saying, huh? What? But why would they do that? It was so confusing. And I was confused how I was going to explain this confusion to you guys. But I'm going to do my very best. Let's start off with the couple. We have Walter Glenn Primrose and Gwen Darrell Morrison. And I am not going to justify what they did by calling them their preferred names. Because their preferred names are the names of the babies that they stole them from. So their names are going to be what their birth names are, which is Walter and Gwen. Now, Walter and Gwen had a typical classic love story. They were lovebirds in school when they met in the 1970s. Some reports say college, some reports say high school. Nonetheless, it was school. The couple of dates here and there, some kisses, some hugs, they're in love. So in love that they got married in 1980 and even went on to buy a house a year after their marriage. Now, this is where the confusion starts. A friend of theirs from high school recalls the couple staying with them for a while while they were trying to get on their feet. And he remembers the couple saying that they wanted to change their identities because of their crippling debt. Now, no reports say how much debt the couple was actually in. And I think that that's really important to the story because I know a bunch of people that are in debt. You are probably in debt. I'm in debt. We're all in debt because in America, the way to succeed and build wealth and have a good credit score and all those things, you have to have some sort of debt, car debt, student loan debt. Everybody is familiar with debt. My question is, how much debt would you have to have to change your entire identity? I would assume it would have to be within the millions because everybody knows if you're in debt, you could always just file for bankruptcy. Why wasn't that an option for Walter and Gwen? I would assume you have to be in severe money trouble to change your entire identity and live a completely new life. The couple's family and friends said that they abruptly left Texas in the early 1980s, saying that they were in the witness protection program before they left their home and all of their belongings behind. Now again, this is interesting to me because I would assume that most people that are in the witness protection program can't really go around telling people, hey, I'm going to go into the witness protection program because they're in danger. They're running away from something and they need extreme help and they need anonymity to remain safe. 
So why would the couple be going around telling people that they're in the witness protection program? And after looking into what the witness protection program does and how it works, it also makes no sense because most of the time they give your family and friends some sort of thorough story background explanation for why you're no longer around. They have secured mailing programs so you can sometimes keep in contact with that family member in witness protection program if you need to, but they usually aren't just told, yep, they're in the witness protection program, here's their new information, because the whole point of the program is anonymity. And on top of the fact, they give you a new identity and documents to follow. This is completely legal under the government. So if Walter and Gwen were really in the witness protection program, they would not be in custody. They wouldn't be in trouble because the witness protection program could easily just tell the courts, yes, they are correct. They're telling the truth. But a new identity is what they wanted, so that's what they did. They stole the identities of baby Bobby Fort and baby Julie Montague. Bobby Fort was born in 1967, but he did not have a very long life as he died at three months old after his family said he had a very bad cough and died presumably of asphyxia of some sort. And Julie Montague was born in 1968, but lived an even shorter life, dying at only 21 days old after being born with a lot of birth defects. The doctors told her family that she would not likely survive. Her sister testified in court how difficult that was to go through as a family, seeing how heartbroken her father was at the funeral. Her sister's death was so traumatizing and had such lifelong effects on her that she decided to not even have children of her own. So imagine how re-traumatizing it must be that 50 years later in 2023 that the death of her sister is being brought back up because of a couple who decided to steal the identities of two dead babies. In 1987, Gwen and Walter assumed their new identities as Julie Montague and Bobby Fort. With those new identities, they started a completely new life across the country in Kapole, Oahu, which is an island in Hawaii. Now, if you're a typical American like me who lives under one identity, you know that every American's worst fear is losing one of these highly valuable identifications your passport, your driver's license, your birth certificate, your social security number. That's our worst fear because the process to get those things back is not only tedious, time consuming and annoying, but they make it really hard because they don't want people creating fake identities. The process takes extremely long. Even people who are in the trans community and they wanna change their name to the name that they see fit, it takes them sometimes years to get their name changed legally on all documents. So to find out that Walter and Gwen obtained the birth certificates for Bobby and Julie and then used that to get new social security numbers, new passports, new driver's license, Department of defense documents and marriage licenses, it's really shocking. And then it's also extra shocking when you find out they did all of that within six months. And now if any of you have ever gone through the process of getting even one of those, that feels suspicious and it feels weird. Walter had five passports under Bobby's name and Gwen had three under Julie's. Again, the process to get a passport 
You have to apply. You have to wait weeks to get it by mail. You have to pay a lot of money. They did that multiple times over and lied multiple times over. That's insane. And remember when I said that they got married in 1980? They got married again, but under Julie and Bobby's name. It's also important to note that Walter and Gwen stole the identities of babies that were 12 years younger than them when they were born. And I don't know how they were able to get away with that because both Walter and Gwen look 100% their age. They do not have a baby face. They cannot pass for very young, but they use this age difference to their advantage because when Walter decided that he wanted to join the U.S. Coast Guard, he was a little bit too old at his real age of 39. The U.S. Coast Guard limits enlisting after 35. They recently just raised that limit to 42, but at that time it was 35. But with his identity as Bobby Fort, he was able to enlist in the U.S. Coast Guard and remain at his position for 20 years before he retired. And after he retired, he went to work for the DOD, the Department of Defense, two jobs that the main task is to ensure the safety and security of the United States. Mind you, he's the security threat. For both of those jobs, he was able to get high-level security clearance for classified information. He's getting classified information under a fake identity. Do you know how dangerous that is for the United States? They were both able to maintain those fake identities for 35 years before they were finally caught in 2020 when a fraud program manager in the U.S. National Passport Center saw that Bobby's passport was issued based on a social security number for someone who would have been 20 and not a child. So most people's social security number is given to them when they're a child. Of course, there are circumstances where people have to get new social security numbers, but it will always raise a red flag. So when that manager saw that oh, he was about 20 when he got this social security number, it raised a red flag. So he looked into it and they actually ended up finding Bobby Ford's official death certificate. This then caused him to look into his wife, Julie or Gwen, and he also found Julie Montague's death certificate as well. Now, obviously this is a national security issue. So their house was raided, they were arrested and they were being held in custody. Gwen's sister identified her to federal agents and Walter's mom identified him in court. But the case started to gain attention when agents began to wonder if this was really only about stolen identities. They had found Polaroid pictures of both Walter and Gwen in authentic KGB uniforms. Now, if you don't know what the KGB is, in the most simplest of forms that I could explain it, they were basically a security and intelligence agency for the Soviet Union, kind of similar to how we have the FBI or the CIA, but their main job was to enforce, uphold, and maintain the communist ideals in society. They were a huge organization known for having a bunch of undercover spies that would go to different countries and their own country and surveil and collect information and end any anti-communist ideals, usually by killing and stuff. They were huge, they were very scary, and it's a very serious organization. 
And the United States has a very long history of not liking communism at all. So you can kind of understand why it would be a big deal if they discovered a KGB agent in the United States. Now, Gwen and her lawyer said that this was just a fun night over at a friend's house. They had the uniforms. They were both just playing around and they just took some silly pictures. It's not real. She's not a spy. My client wants everyone to know that she is not a spy, that she tried on a uniform that was at a friend's house one time and they took pictures. Uh, and you can tell from the picture that it's the same uniform. Her and her husband are wearing the same uniform and the picture's taking, taken in a home, in their friend's home. And I have a couple of questions because one, do you guys have any friends who have KGB uniforms? And on top of that, authentic KGB uniforms. That's something really rare and random to just have. That's one. Two, I don't really understand the scenario where you put on the KGB uniform that's also weird to me, but let's say you're in a silly, goofy mood and you want to put on this uniform. Okay. They're not even laughing in the pictures, in the Polaroids that they took. They have on the uniform, they have on the jacket and the hat, and they are both straight faced, just looking straight ahead. Like they, it, it looks serious. On top of the fact that the Polaroid is not all that they found. They also found an invisible ink kit coded language documents and maps showing military bases i don't i don't know what part of that is goofy silly fun time with your friends like it is a little alarming it's a little bit of a red flag now when the kgb gets brought up in this case everything starts getting murky starts getting weird getting confusing and you may want to say everybody's friend group is different maybe that's how her and her friends play around maybe that's the kind of things that they would have and would joke about but one of her closest friends said that years ago she lived in romania during the communist bloc but they cannot find any passport under her name that allowed international travel so that's really odd because there's no documented proof that she lived there even though one of her closest friends said that she did. And remember when I told you that they left Texas abruptly and told their family and friends that they were entering the witness protection program? They also told their family and friends that Walter was working for a government agency secretly and they had to change their identities due to legal and financial reasons. Um, hello? And if you notice, I only gave you Gwen's account for the Polaroid picture because when Walter and his lawyer were asked directly if he was in the KGB, he declined to comment. Now, if you were in this similar scenario, if you were somebody who was under the age of 21, who has a fake ID, like many people under 21 has, and you were busted, the police came for you and they were like, hey, you have a fake ID. And for some reason, they suspected you were in the KGB. And they asked you, hey, are you in the KGB? I think anybody who isn't in the KGB would simply say no. But that's just my assumption. Maybe you guys would do something different in the same scenario. But it also doesn't help that Walter has refused to do a cheek swab DNA three separate times. He refuses to answer if he's in the KGB. It, it makes him look a little suspicious. I don't know. Also, I'm speaking in present tense, but the KGB hasn't been active since 1991, so they're really just questioning if they ever had any previous involvement, not current.
But investigators used the Polaroid and the rest of the evidence for why Gwen and Walter should be denied bail. And this is what her lawyer had to say about it. Even if the allegations in the complaint are true, that they stole this, these identities 30 years ago, even under these new identities, they committed no crime. And so to hold them without bail or bond is just unreasonable. And now this confused me because her lawyer said that if the allegations are true that they stole these identities, and I don't even think that that's what's up for debate anymore, there are death certificates for the people that they stole the identities from. Like, I don't even understand why her lawyer would say that, but even still, she said that they broke no laws under the new identities that does not make any sense because in order to maintain those identities, they had to continuously lie and defraud the government in order to get their passports, to get their license, to get their marriage license, to join the Coast Guard. Like they, these are crimes. I don't understand. Like her lawyer is a little weird. And on top of that, Walter is a flight risk because he has high security clearance on Oahu. He could easily get away once they let him out. But when Gwen requested bail, the judge denied it on the basis of he doesn't even really know who she is. And I think that that's fair enough. But on a weird note, all of the evidence for them being in the KGB and speculation, it was completely dropped. Like it was not brought up again when they went back to court. They're not being charged on espionage or anything like it just vanished out of thin air. And I don't know, but I'm just giving you guys the information that I found. They are both being charged with conspiracy to commit offense against the U.S., aggravated identity theft, false statements in application, and use of a passport. And for each of those, they are facing 10 years for the passport, 5 years for conspiracy, and 2 years for the aggravated identity theft. They both have pled not guilty and after going through multiple lawyers have decided to actually represent themselves. They do have legal counsel with them and I don't know how much legal education they have but they're running the show and representing themselves. But it didn't take long for a jury to find them guilty. After only deliberating for two hours, they were found guilty on all charges. They're set to be sentenced in March and they both maintain their innocence. Gwen said that, quote, my husband and I have led a simple, quiet life and that this was a victimless crime. I don't agree, but let me know what you guys think. Like always, all the articles and references that I use for my research are in the description box and I hope to see you guys next time. Bye. Hello.